No matter if the economy is up or down, healthcare careers continue to grow, especially in management. Stevenson University Online's Master's in Healthcare Management can put your career on a new track, especially for career changers with previous business, HR, or technology backgrounds. Discover new opportunities with our Healthcare Management Master's. No GREs, no application fees, and 100% online. Visit online.stevenson.edu slash healthcare management. Yeah, it's called conversations with Jeff, not screaming matches. Yeah, yeah I, 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 you and I do not agree on Calvinism. But look how nice we are to each other. I think it's going to really shock a lot of people, thrill a lot of people. A lot of people are going to have to do some soul searching. It's like, you know what? What are you doing? You're spending all your time trying to destroy another Christian because you don't understand what's going on mm-hmm. when you should be out there winning people for Jesus. Right. Thank you for the job you're doing. Thanks for being willing to address these kind of issues. They're vital to the church. I feel sorry for what's coming your way, but God bless you, man. It's it's a good, healthy conversation, and, and let's keep growing together in the Lord. People won't change unless they hear the truth, though. And so we need to know the truth, uh, speak the truth. And then the last one I would say is that we need to stay in the truth, uh, no matter what the consequences are. Hey guys, welcome to today's episode of Conversations with Jeff. Um, as always, we're coming to you guys here on the Gatekeepers Podcast Network. Uh, again, this is a show. This is, you know, again, I, I have five shows right now. It's, it, it's, it's absolutely insane, but this is, this is my Christian interview show. So for the, for those of you guys that are just tuning in for the first time, make sure you guys go over to Apple Podcasts or Rumble, look up Conversations with Jeff, subscribe. That way you guys can keep up, uh, whenever we're coming out with a new, um, episode of the show. Had a bunch of awesome guests. Uh, it's been a blast. Also, one way you guys can support what we're doing here at The Gatekeepers is by becoming a plugged-in member, which you can uh, find out more information on that at gatekeepersonline.com slash plugged in. You will get exclusive access to uh, everything from the recording of our Destroy Social Justice Conference. We've got a devotional. We've got 30% off of everything in our bookstore. Um, and also, great announcement. We're actually doing an online conference coming up on February 6th. Plugged in members will get free access to that. So that's definitely something you guys want to take advantage of. Again, that's gatekeepersonline.com slash plugged in. Definitely, definitely check it out. And that's, again, one way you can support what we're doing here at the Gatekeepers. Also, before I introduce our guest, just a reminder that right here, uh, I'm going to be posting your guys' comments. So if you guys have comments, questions, whatever it is throughout the show, post it, and it'll come up on the screen. And I just might ask our guest. Any question you guys throw up there. So we shall see uh, what happens there. So make sure you guys take advantage of that. So without further ado, here's my good buddy, uh, Schumann. Schumann, you're back for another round here on Conversations with Jeff. Uh, welcome back. Yeah, good to be back, man. It's always a pleasure stopping in and chatting with you. I, I think we have some uh, some good conversations that go a little deeper than what the normal ones would. So it's it's always good to be here, man. Definitely, definitely. You know, it, it, what's fun too is like, is like watch, watching you re- really grow and you know, your, your, uh, your following on Twitter has been growing. You've got your, the Schumann show here on Gatekeepers. You got Freedom First. Uh, you you got the Federalist faction. I mean, you're, you're a busy man yourself. Yeah. It's been really honestly a pleasure. I mean, to have, I mean, we went from having ended and I was pretty jacked. I had a hundred viewers that were pretty consistently watching and I was like, this is awesome. Like a hundred people is a lot to fill up like 
a building, but I'm from a small rural town, so maybe not much for you. And then come back, and I think like our last one we did, and we didn't even have a guest on, and we ended with about I think combined it was about six seven thousand. So just a huge thank you for that. I mean that that's that's pretty awesome for everybody who follows me. So and the Twitter following is pretty funny because I see people keep uh following me, and then um, I keep seeing my numbers like it'll go up to about 920 and then it'll drop back down to about 900. So Twitter's been real uh, awesome lately. Oh yeah, I, I went from 17.8 thousand followers down to 13.3 during this latest <laughs> purge. It's it's getting a little crazy. It is. Oh, I was so happy because I broke a th- I think you were on the show. I broke a thousand followers and I was like, hey, broke a thousand followers. This is awesome. And then Twitter's like, nope. And then drop back down, <laughs> straight down to 900, like in one, I think it was in, in a span of like, uh, gosh, like four hours or something like that. It was crazy. It's, it's, it's absolutely insane. It's literally insane. What's even more insane though, is just all the craziness that I feel like is going on in the world today, you know, and, and especially yeah. too, kind of dealing specifically with the topic that you and I have been, you know, discussing, discussing, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and, and really diving into the, the, this issue of morality and whether morality can even exist without without a belief in God, and I, and, I, and I think specifically too, you know, this this really has come to the forefront this last election cycle when you had the comparison between, uh, you know, let's say Donald Trump's platform versus the Democrat platform, and you right. know, people can criticize Trump all they want; it's fair game. You know, he's a politician, public person, whatever it is. By all means, critique all that kind of stuff. But when you look at the Democrat platform, I don't know how anybody can say that that would be God honoring virtually right. any any of their any of their principles. Uh, wh- what do you make of, of the current difference between kind of concert the conservative platform versus the progressive platform? Paralegals are highly essential from law firms and courtrooms to insurance, real estate, HR, and more. If a paralegal career or law school is in your future, Stevenson University Online's Bachelor's in Legal Studies will help you achieve your goals affordably with no application fee. 100% online, approved by the American Bar Association with new online sessions starting every eight weeks. Get started today. Visit stevenson.edu slash paralegal. Stevenson University Online is a leader in forensic education for law enforcement, legal, and cyber investigations. If you are preparing for career advancement or career change, investigate our online master's programs in forensic science, CSI, forensic accounting, forensic investigations, and cybersecurity and digital forensics. New online sessions start every eight weeks. No application fee or GRE required. Visit stevenson.edu slash online. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, there's a huge difference as long as we stick to the morals that we have established within our own platforms. So when we look at the conservative side, we look at the individual and the conserving the individual. We kind of talked about this on my last show. We we walked through the first of the Federalist Papers. And um, I got it right here, actually. Uh, what he was, we've yeah, what Alexander Hamilton was saying in that one, I'll just read it real quick, is happy will it be if our choice should be directed by a judicious estimate of our true interests, unperplexed, unbiased by considerations not connected with the public good. He believed that the individual should form communities, and these communities would come together of men who 
you know, obviously these communities to be promulgated forward because individual men wanted to make something better of themselves. Well, when they accomplish that, then they would make something better for their families. And the thing that I find that crazy about that is women tend to decide who it is that they're going to be with by who takes on more and more responsibility. Well, then these communities, once, once you establish your family and you gain, um, a, a proper kind of following within your family or not, I shouldn't say following. I should say, uh, like a stronghold within your family on what your family is lives on, what the rules are within the household. And it's, it's that kind of sense of hierarchy that is established within the home. And once that's established, then it comes out to your local governments and then the local governments grow into the states and the states grow into the federal government. It was never intended for moral high yard or moral authority to come from the government itself. That was, was never its intention at all. Even in the, I mean, the anti-federalist papers are even worse than that. Or better than yeah. that. Depends on how you want to go. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and, and, and that's the, that's the really interesting thing too is that, you know, it, like when we're looking at American history specifically, it, it was definitely mm-hmm. founded in Christian principles. It was founded in biblical principles. And, you know, I've, yeah. I've heard a lot of people even, even say like, you know, even, even this idea of capitalism, it, it's, it's rooted in this idea of personal responsibility, which mm-hmm. is found throughout scripture. It, it's, it's rooted in, you know, the husband's supposed to provide for his family and take care of his children and, and go out and work and things like that. And right. we, we've lost that. But is that, do you feel like that we've lost that because of laziness or have we lost it because we've slowly been taking God out of our country? So yes, it is taking God out of the country. Um, I think the body positivity movement that has come around has absolutely destroyed what God is supposed to be in our lives. Cause what that ended up doing is that told you like you had no authority in which you had to be, um, hold yourself accountable to. Right. So now if you no longer have somebody that you have to hold yourself accountable to, you can live for yourself and you can forget God and you can leave him in the background. Right. Well, um, I believe this was one of the big turning points during the French Revolution when everybody kind of wanted to do their own thing. And that's why it fell apart and ended up being a real big disaster is because they had no more moral high guard to surround themselves with. Uh, John Locke is, I believe, what the Constitution is based off of. If I am wrong on that, so help me. But John Locke's book um, that the Constitution was based off of, I believe it was... On average, I want to say there was about six to 10 Bible verses on each page that he was citing from on individualistic morale. Uh, and when you take a constitution that was based on that book and you build it from the individual's rights as seen through God, that's, that's the foundations. And that's why this nation has been crumbling is because, yeah, God has left the, he's left the area, I guess, so as to say. Um, a quote that, is said and then completely taken out of context by Frederick Nietzsche is um, God is dead. You know, everybody hears that com or everybody's like, Oh, Nietzsche was horrible. You know, he, he, uh, you know, he, he proclaimed God is dead. Well, it wasn't a, as much of a proclamation as what it was said in sorrow. Um, because the very next line says that there is not enough water on the planet to wash away the blood. He, he was, um, he was obviously not a Christian, but he was such a, Sad person. I guess sad is really the the worst way I can put it because depression is kind of a state, but he was he wouldn't even walk to his barn with a rope in hand because he was afraid of killing himself. His his mental state was just 
unbelievable. And he said that in order for us to regain a civilized society, we ourselves must become gods. And that might not be possible. And that is not possible. So when, when people read even these atheists that were so high proclaimed and everything like that, they were in sorrow every time that they talked about it because they knew that man could not live up to such a high moral standard without God. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I think that we're, we're kind of, we're beginning to see the results of that. And I think that e- even within conservatism to a certain degree, the last couple of election cycles, I'm seeing this attempt to even take God out of our own morality, you know, like, you, you know, cause I, I've been, I've been, I've been following mm-hmm. a lot of like yeah. the guys in like the intellectual dark web um, and, and they're having these conversations and even Ben Shapiro, he'll, he'll have a conversation and he'll say, I don't, I don't root my morality when I'm having these public debates and stuff and, and how, and, and all that kind of stuff. I don't root it necessarily in scripture. I try to have a rational argument, logical, secular ideology, take God out of it. And here's how we explain it. And I find that to be dangerous because if you, if you're not rooting your belief in morality on God, mm-hmm. how can you even root it in anything? It just becomes an abstract of your imagination to a certain degree. You're exactly right. And I kind of talked about this in the aspect of freedom. And then I've been realizing that every time I dig into something, it kind of blows up. So oh, I hope I have my thoughts together. I've been really thinking about this and I really hope I have everything together. So morality affects us all at the base individual, right? And we as individuals, so so what does that mean? So what does it mean to be an individual or to be a person on this earth or to be a being, so as to say. So the, the world is kind of our stage and we all go through our life, right? Based upon decisions that we make, good or bad. And as we walk through this life, we have the chance to decide whether to, you know, like just for an example, just to be outrageous. So grandma's crossing the street and she's taking a real long time and you got to go. So are you going to run a grandma over or are you going to wait for the time being? Well, what justifies what is good and bad if you don't have a set moral authority? Because it might not be necessarily bad to run grandma over if you're getting to your place where you need to be in time. But it might not also necessarily be good either. So where is it that you get that line from? And what happens is what I've been seeing when I study other civilizations is these civilizations that are without God, they come to this to this decision based on community acceptance and agreement. Like um, that's why Western culture, Western civilized culture has promulgated so quickly is because people are more likely to live together. And we've based a moral code on the Bible because the Bible is really a way how to live your life and how to make the best out of yourself. Where if you look at nations like um, the Incans or the Aztecs or the Mayans or the Aborigines and all these people that would literally drink blood from their enemy's skulls, they would have child sacrifices, not even child sacrifices, but adult sacrifices, all this sorts of stuff. Well, how can that be morally okay? But if you set moral upon an agreed acceptance of a community of people, then why is it not okay? And that's where I think that moral authority cannot rest upon the agreement of a surrounded society and that it must be based on something solid and something scriptural, much like the Bible, because it is our moral code. And we see that the civilizations that obey the moral code and the moral authority of scripture, they tend to promulgate and push forward into society. They tend to, I mean, name one country that is not a Christian country that has progressed as fast as the United States of America or as fast as Europe or anything like that. And we see that as soon as they take God out, 
well, look at what's happening over in France, all these riots that are happening, the the people that are getting murdered. I mean, I've been told it's not safe to go over to France anymore. That's crazy, man. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and that, that's what, that's one of the things too. And, and, and John Howie, I will, I will get to your comment because, you know, I love John Howie. John Howie is awesome. I mean, he, he's, he, yeah. he's, one of, he's one of those guys. He's definitely more progressive than I am, but he's, he's an awesome dude. So yeah. Uh, so John, I will get, I will get to your comment here in just a sec, but, 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 but I, I, you make a really good point. And I think that it, it really goes to show that for lack of a better phrase, as corny as it sounds, like, God's ways are best, you know, like right. it, 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 that's the reality of it. You know, I believe that. And I think that we have to remember, remember again, human nature is flawed. We, yeah. we have a sin nature. We we're predisposed to do wrong. You don't have to teach a child how to do wrong. You have to teach them how to do right. And I think that exactly. that's the thing. That's the thing that we have to remember that I think our society is forgetting. Now, a lot of it is really God of the mix because if you can take god out of the mix all of a sudden there are no rules we can make them up as we go as the bible says we do what, right. what's right in our own eyes and that, that's really dangerous so let's let's see really quick uh let me th- let me let me read john howie's uh comment he said i like c lewis's take c.s lewis's take on the law of human nature it's this idea that every human is born with a sort of moral code that says if someone is drowning i should save them now shoot mm-hmm. do you believe that every human is born with that sort of moral code. Paralegals are highly essential from law firms and courtrooms to insurance, real estate, HR, and more. If a paralegal career or law school is in your future, Stevenson University Online's Bachelor's in Legal Studies will help you achieve your goals affordably with no application fee. 100% online, approved by the American Bar Association with new online sessions starting every eight weeks. Get started today. Visit stevenson.edu slash paralegal. The holidays are a moment of togetherness and joy and a reminder of how tradition creates happy and fulfilled communities. Make this holiday season patriotic with a visit to National Harbor and its stunning new Spirit Park. Marvel at one of the largest American flags in the region and beautiful displays of American art. Make this holiday season the most meaningful of all at National Harbor. Learn more at nationalharbor.com-spiritpark. Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Happy Holidays from all of us at Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. Absolutely not. Um, and, and I love you, John, but, uh, this is what I've been struggling with for a little bit and really, really thinking on. I think I have sort of developed a little bit of a coherent statement on this is so if everybody was born, like, let's just take an infant for instance, right? You take this infant and you bring him into the world and all that good stuff. Infants are jerks. Let's just be honest. Kids are jerks. They just are. We love them to death. But they're little demons. Okay. They, they claw, they bite, they scratch, they take toys away from other infants. They, um, push other kids down. They hit other kids, all this stuff. Well, through discipline, which would be correction and which would be teaching, that is all taught that no, in order for you to live within a civilized environment or 
playroom or preschool or whatever it is that you need to reciprocate actions upon each other in order to gain that back. So therefore it must be learned something that is brought on. Now this human nature, again, that goes back to what I was discussing with like um, the early native tribes that were here in the United States, the Aborigines, the Aztecs, if it was something that we were all born with, then why were we, or why were we, I guess I wasn't doing it, but why were they um, sacrificing people on top of mountains? Or why were they putting meat, meat hooks through people's backs and hanging them from stakes? Why were they crucifying people? Why were they going to war with people cutting off their heads, opening their skulls, and drinking from their bodies? If, say, if morality was something that we were born with, we would all have that same sense to be able to move forward. And I can prove this, like, even though that was in the past, the same kind of stuff happens today. You ask anybody on the left, you know, well, if I were, or I guess you just ask anybody, I guess it doesn't have to be left or right. You ask anybody, is, is it all cool if I go around and I just start um, shooting puppies? Is it cool if I just start dismembering them and taking them apart and throwing them across the street? Well, everybody would be like, no, that's crazy. That's insane. Okay, what about abortion? Oh. Well, that's different. Well, how is that different? Well, it's a human being, so that's worse for one, right? So, But that's where the moral code differentiates. And that's where I don't think that people are born with a moral code. is because all of a sudden you were brought up with lack of understanding or you were brainwashed to think that all of a sudden an infant or a child doesn't matter and that you can just off them whenever you want. But yet everybody agrees that for some reason killing puppies is bad unless you go over to China. Yeah, well, that, that, that's very true. You know, it, it's really interesting, too, because, you know, the, the very same people that will promote abortion and say that a, that a woman should have the right to essentially kill her baby up until birth, sometimes mm-hmm. after birth as well, that 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 should be protected. But if somebody kills a bald eagle's egg, that is that is pure evil and sinister. And we have to protect that that baby bald eagle that not hatched yet. What the heck is the difference there? What the heck is the difference except that we're devaluing human life and then raising up the value of animal life? And it's this weird thing, again, where we're dealing with everybody's doing what is right in their own mind. And, yes. and this is this is where we really get into this really big problem of where I think our society is crumbling right now is how do we even have a society if everybody's just doing what's right in their own mind? Because every single person has a different moral code that they themselves are writing as opposed to we're all agreeing on on God's moral code, right? Right. And that's where it kind of freaks me out. Like, that's where, like, that's why I say on my show, Will You, we'll sit down and we will talk to anyone. Like, we we don't care who you are or anything like that. Like, we just want to have the conversation. And the reason for that is, is because these divides are getting so great because we have lost a commonality between each other. I mean, we can't even sit down and talk about sports anymore. I mean, how insane is that? Like, oh, it's just mind blowing. But it's because we've gotten, not only have we become so entrenched in our own ideologies and our own thoughts, but we've come to despise other people's thoughts and other people's ideologies so much that we don't even want to sit down with them anymore. And, and that's what is absolutely, that's what terrifies me because then, um, we can see that like even some of these groups is tribalistic tendencies is kind of what I'm getting to. People started to form into tribes into echo chambers and everything like that. Um, parlor for what it was, was, was great because great and bad because all these conservatives had a place to go after they got kicked off Twitter. And it was just, um, 
it was really an echo chamber, to be completely honest. I mean, a lot of conservatives went there because they weren't allowed to be on other platforms. Well, then that turned Twitter into a leftist um, echo chamber that was unable to. Um, they weren't able to hear any exchange of ideas. I mean, gosh, his uh, I can't quote it for a word, but his little speech on why he was kicking all these people off flat or off of Twitter was like, he just assumed that he was the moral arbiter and the moral authority on what he thought was right and what was wrong. This multimillionaire that doesn't even know what it's like to be the common man is now telling us what we can and cannot talk about. I felt like uh, we were all just a bunch of six-year-old children that he had to punish because he thought he had the moral high ground. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's very true. And I think that, that fits in with, with uh, John Howie's uh, more recent comment over here where he said the key is, the key is to dehumanize in order to brutalize. We will be compassionate towards humans, but not those we dehumanize. And that, that's been one of my biggest concerns that I've been seeing both mm-hmm. on the left and on the right. And I think a lot of times for us that are on the conservative side, we think, oh, we're immune to that. We, we don't dehumanize anybody. But we're just as guilty of it in how we treat uh, the other side. Absolutely. And um, the, in reading that, the key – so I want to read that one more time. The key to dehumanize in order to brutalize – we will be compassionate towards humans, but not those we dehumanize. And I can see that too, definitely to a point. I mean, that's, that's what it is, right? So Cain and Abel is a huge, perfect story for this. Cain was jealous of what Abel was bringing to God because what he was bring, what Abel, uh, what Abel was bringing to God was accepted by God, right? Because that's what God wanted. Well, that's what God accepted as an actual sacrifice, right? Cain thought that his sacrifice was better than what Abel's was because he went out and he forged it and he thought it was great in his own mind. They could not accept, but yet God accepted Abel's, but not Cain's because it wasn't the fact that he liked lettuce and stuff more than animals, right? It was because Abel was able to, that sounds weird. Abel was able to take up God's commandments and was able to be like, this is what God wants and this is what God needs. Therefore, I'm going to give you. And God blessed him back in regards for that. Cain thought he knew better than God and he thought he would know something that he wanted to give God more than God himself. And in his mind, he became God. Now, when it was Abel's competence in his own, in being able to come up with a perfect sacrifice each time, that Cain became jealous because he was incompetent of following God's word. And it was through that that he was able to kill Abel was because he became so jealous and he ended up dehumanizing him because of that. But even so, their relationship was never off to a great start. So there was that. But I mean, that, 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 that's, a, that's a fair critique of, of, of their relationship. I, 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 th- I think one of the things, too, for, for me, looking at this whole dehumanizing aspect, which I think I think is really interesting, is that. You know, like I, again, I grew up, I grew up in the, in the John MacArthur crowd, Calvinist, cessationist, you know, we, we believe in our eschatology, our, you know, everything, right? It, it, mm-hmm. it was, it was always this portrayal of anybody who disagreed with us that they were bad. You should never listen to them. There's no sense in talking to them. Uh, you know, all of you crazy free gracers over there. I mean, you guys are so off base. You're not even worthy to be having a conversation with. Like that's the kind, that's the kind of crap that, that I grew up with. You know, I was also told right. that charismatics, are not Christians, there, there's no point in talking to them because they don't have the truth in them. You know, mm-hmm. the thing is, is going through all this, I'm still a cessationist, I'm still a cabinet, I'm still all these kinds of things, but I, I like talking to you, you're, you're a free gracer. If, if I, yeah, I'm if working I st- on it. 
Yeah, you know, you know, we'll see. But if if I refuse to talk to the charismatics, I wouldn't have my good friend Ken Peters. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like like there's things like that that I think are, are vitally important that we do have communication. We do have value to people, even if we disagree, because that's really the only way that we're actually going to have the important conversations to move forward. Right. And I think it's accepting the fact that we need each other. Um, Adam and Eve in the garden. Adam became, or Adam sinned, right? And then he was hiding in the bushes or whatnot. And then God comes down and he says, where are you? And Adam was like, you know, he comes out and says that he was ashamed. And when you think about this, like, like ashamed, shame is like, is crazy. Like, it's not cool, right? So when, like, I go up and I talk to somebody, like, I am stupid with computers. So I, some crashes on my computer that's real dumb. And the IT guy's like, did you plug, t- turn it off and plug it back in again? And then you're like, no and then you do it and it works like some stupid like that but then you feel like an idiot right and that's not cool like nobody likes to feel like an idiot well that's just the it guy like he knows what he's doing because he's skilled in that now go back to adam adam had one job one and he messed it up and then not only did he mess it up but he's not going up against some plant dude or some farmer he comes up to god all knowing God, imagine how dumb he must felt like that. That's crazy. So then to, to bring this back full circle, I guess, in regards to this question and why we need each other living on this earth and why we need kind of that little bit of common ground is because us as conservatives, we're hardworking. We're the plumbers, the people in the fields, the guys pumping oil, the, the truck drivers, all this kind of stuff, the guys who are willing to get our hands dirty. But we're not very innovative. We're not very creative when it comes to creating new, brand new things and everything like that. So I think the left is, they, though they have a bunch of bad ideas, they also do have a bunch of good ideas. But it takes the conservatives to make those ideas a reality. But yet, us as conservatives have trouble creating things without having a liberal mind to create them. So I think there is a very, I mean, think about it. Like, they're the artists, the, the singers, the writers, the actors, the the people putting out all this stuff that help us. Like art is huge. Like that speaks to us in levels that we cannot truly explain within our own words. Like art has, there's so much behind it. And without them, we don't have that. And we do need that. We need that. We need music. We need all the stuff to kind of come around. So we do need each other, but it it's not worth sacrificing the moral ground in order to achieve those goals. And I think it's it's um, imperative that we prove that living in a moral life or living by the word of God is advantageous to us, right? Like God had a bunch of rules in um, the Old Testament that we like don't eat certain kinds of fish or certain kinds of animals and everything like that. More or less, that was so that people didn't die back then so that they didn't cook it wrong. Like it wasn't, a lot of this stuff wasn't like, you're going to burn in hell for it. Like, it was, you will die if you do this. Like, chill out and check yourself. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and, and that, what, what's interesting, too, I, I think, in, in all of this is we have to figure out, as Christians and as conservatives, when when we, um, let's say, we, when do we try to find common ground with somebody? Or when do we find, when do we draw the line in the sand and say, we're going to divide from you? Because I think that, I think that that's the danger that we're facing today is people don't really know where we should be. You've got some people that like right, right now in America, 
we're extremely polarized, right? Like we're more mm-hmm. polarized than I can remember at any point in my lifetime. So right. should, should, should our mission be right now to try to find common ground with the progressive left? Is that even possible? Or do we need to divide and get into our own little conservative echo chamber? How, how, how should we, from a Christian perspective, be handling a lot of this kind of stuff? So from that perspective, so this is, this, I think the, maybe the best thing to happen for us will be getting kicked off Twitter and Facebook and stuff like that. Because I think we're so focused and, and I mean, I mean, I got a podcast too, right? Like I'm trying to reach people and change minds and all this good stuff, but that's, for me, that's from a worldwide view. Like that's like taking the big old telescope up on top of the rocket ship, viewing down and seeing the entire world. Well, holy cow, that's like a bunch of people. Like that's a big number, right? Now zoom in on your state or better yet, zoom in on your your city block. Now focus on those people. Sit down with those. Like I got, I got a bunch of lefty friends that we hang out with super regularly all the time and they're not a lost cause i mean we continually talk all the time and um we exchange ideas we have really stupid long conversations into the night where we're just bouncing stuff off of where he's starting to kind of see where i'm coming from and i'm i can see where he's coming from but he's still wrong and i guess it's okay to be wrong but that's fine but the the amount of questions that he's constantly coming back to me with it's just i'm constantly finding that maybe i'm breaking ground with these people and um, I, I don't, I don't think that's worth giving up. I mean, you have the people that I think Twitter is also the worst place on earth. You have, uh, your super loud people on both sides of the aisles on both the right and the left. And, um, we're in all reality. Reality is not Twitter. And there's a lot of people in the center that are waiting to change minds. And that's why I think we see, I think that's evident because we're seeing like, we always complain about the Republicans that aren't doing anything. They get reelected, elected, they make a career out of it. Well, they make a career out of it because they keep getting elected because we're so focused on the fringe groups and we should maybe be looking at the center. The holidays are a moment of togetherness and joy and a reminder of how tradition creates happy and fulfilled communities. Make this holiday season patriotic with a visit to National Harbor and its stunning new spirit park. Marvel at one of the largest American flags in the region and beautiful displays of American art. Make this holiday season the most meaningful of all at National Harbor. Learn more at nationalharbor.com dash spirit park. Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Happy Holidays from all of us at Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Yeah. So, so, so then how, so then how do we look at the center? Because, because I, because I feel like right now 
the 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 easy arguments are the extre- are the extremes because they're the most mm-hmm. vocal. It, it's it's what's in the news. It's what's making the news. So how how are we, do we ignore the fringe? Do we ignore the the mainstream and try to reach uh, the the middle ground guys? Or how how do we do that? I would never ignore the fringe. Um, I wouldn't go out to reach them either um, because they're. There's no way you're going to have a competent conversation with somebody who doesn't want to hear anything you have to say, right? So my rule for myself, whenever we have anybody on the show, on our show, The Federalist Action, we always, I always tell the two other guys that are with me, treat this person as if he knows something that we don't know. And that that's a big Jordan Peterson thing because I want to take them honestly. Well, the left are not willing to do that. I mean, look at all the people that are getting kicked off Twitter, off of Facebook and all that stuff. So that makes it hard to reach fringe groups, but I'm not, I'm saying we shouldn't ignore them because we should listen to what they're saying because what they're saying is what they're going to the middle with and what the people in the middle are hearing. So take what they're saying, take it to heart, think through it, steal man an argument. Seriously, try to destroy your argument. Um, this, this is why I'm so glad I have such like leftist friends and li- liberal friends is because I bring up these ideas and these, arguments with them and they will poke as many holes as they possibly can in them because they don't want to be wrong and I don't want to be wrong right nobody wants to be wrong it's not cool we just talked about shame right so when you're able to steel man your conversation then you're willing to go out and you're willing to speak on it now the people in the center you're not going to reach them on Facebook and on Twitter because as we talked a lot of those people are on fringe ends of the aisle get involved in your community guys I know I sound like a broken record all the time because I feel like I talk about it all the time but but go out like for in my city, we have a big citywide thing for where all the bikers. We all get together and we all ride out to um, the Veterans Memorial. That's out there. Every and the people of the city, they all line up and down the streets, all with flags and all this stuff. And granted, I live in a super conservative area, so it's great. But then when we all get there, we all take the time to go and around and and observe these people who gave their lives for our country. And and it the the, the cemeteries packed with people but they're all getting to know each other you know like when did when did your father serve when did your grandfather serve what was he like and we start having conversations with these people and we get to connect with them on a personal level you don't have to be like are you a republican or a democrat get to know them get to know who they are get to know who your neighbors are set up um mary Solomon wrote a book that if you want to go check out that conversation that's great but she wrote a book on it starts like within your own home like set up something to have a neighborhood party and just, I can't cook. If I cooked, everybody would die. So nobody would show up and then my neighborhood would be empty. So that's not great, but I can do board games or not board games, but like, like cornhole. I don't know if you guys know what that is. Weird Northern thing. Or no, no, um, hey, hey, we've got cornhole out here. We're not, we're not, we're not, we're not that crazy out here. In California. Okay. I thought you guys were savages. So <laughs> no, but, it, but it's like setting stuff up like that and then invite your community out. Like, Shoot, down the street, we got, um, there's a bar that's down there and they set up, uh, cornhole tournaments and they just block off the street. And like, I live in the state capital. Like it's, 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 there's a lot of people, a lot of streets, but the cops are like, yep, that's fine. Let's close it down. And then anybody from the community who wants to get involved goes out there and it goes on for like three days. And then we live on a hill, like cities built on this big old hill and they literally take a big rubber mat and they set up a giant slip and slide. It goes all the way through the city. And, and it's sweet, but everybody shows up for it, right? You got your chili feeds, your dumb stuff like this. And it's, I don't, it's not like a super tiny town. You can do stuff like this inside your own cities and inside your own towns. Just fire up the grill, have some people over, you know, it's, it's great. And that's well, you know, people. 
No, it, it's true. And, you know, it, what's interesting, too, is because you know, I, I, I read a lot of books, you know, some political, some uh, theological, and then and then some within, you know, business. And one of the best business books that I read, actually, is actually dealing with this very topic. It's, it's by this guy named Keith Ferrazzi, and he wrote the book uh, Never Eat Alone. And it's a, yeah. it's a, it's a fascinating book. And, and, and he, and he's like, what, what I did. And he was like an executive at all these big fortune 500 companies and all this kind of stuff. Every Friday night, it was, it was, you know, he would invite a different set of 10 people that would all crowd around his dinner table. He's like, cook, make something simple. You know, probably like spaghetti and, you know, tomato sauce, whatever, throw it in a pan and do it. We'd cram 10 people around the table. And he's like, I would intentionally try to get people from different companies different job experiences and things like that. So that way it would be an interesting conversation, different points of view. And the whole idea was we're, we're going to, we're going to network. We're going to build these relationships. And in that way too, you know, the way that he looked at, you know, his business world was I'm not in competition with everybody else. He's like, yeah. we're all in this together. So, so with him, he was known as the guy that, Hey, I need somebody to fill this position. Do you have a recommendation? He'd recommend anybody freely. And I thought that was really interesting from a business perspective. But I think within the church, we can apply something very similar. When you look at the New Testament church, they used to do the same thing. They used to go to each other's homes and break bread, eat dinner together, eat food, discuss fellowship, encourage each other. That's that's missing today in the majority of churches in America. It's really sad. State of affairs, I think, for the church right now. You know, and... and, um... I'm finding that the more things in life that I discover, the more things I realize are middle of the road sort of things, right? So like we talked about going into the left or into the right or all these fringe groups. Well, don't spend all your time with like those people. Like definitely spend time with people that you, you know, that do agree with you that to think things through and everything like that, because you can get super bogged down and you can't even start to second guess yourself. If you start hanging out with some of these people, like take the time, read a book, like seriously, read a book, like, like learn something, get, become an expert in what it is that you're talking about, because the amount of stupidity that's going around is absolutely stupid, which is unexcusable considering that we have cell phones that tell us everything, but, but bring that back to the church. Like you said, like spend time in your church, Get to know the people in your church. You know, rely on them. Like our church just set up a pantry little thing where everybody brings in food for one another. I mean, that's your reliance system. Okay, right? So that's that's like your HQ or your your com your your home base, right? Well, from there, you learn how to handle the world, how to go out into the world and make disciples of people, right? How to bring people to God, how to show glory. That's what the church is for. Spend time with your base and how to learn things, get solidified in your beliefs, learn something new, try to poke holes in some of their ideas to make sure they're on the right page. Because shoot, what the past two weeks has taught me is that all of us conservatives are definitely not on the same page either. But us having all these conversations and stuff, yeah, we're getting it. We're starting to solidify things. We're starting to really come together on this stuff. So so make sure that your home base or your family is strong. Yeah, no, that, that that's vitally important. So, so then bring bring it back full circle, and then dealing with this idea of of, of morality, right? When, when mm-hmm. we're looking at at the political system, obviously we're we're seeing, like we mentioned before, a stark divide. But what's been interesting is that even within the church, where we're supposed to have this moral compass, we have scripture, we're supposed to have this belief in God and the Holy Spirit in our life and that sort of thing. But we're seeing a lot of our leaders actually embracing a lot of the morality coming out of the godless side 
of the political divide. What do you make of that sort of thing? So I think it's because um, they're afraid to sow division, right? So there's a, a deer pastor that I really, really enjoy. I and mean, he's he's a great guy, but he never, ever, ever will talk politics. And not only does it stop at politics, but I believe it has. And, and not, I'm not saying it stops at politics for this pastor. This pastor is is good on a lot of other stuff. But I think for a lot of churches where it starts to creep in is where you're not willing to take a stand on some of these moral high grounds like um, infidelity or um, homosexuality or abortion and stuff like that. Like that really, well, when you don't take a stand on it, that leaves a void, right? Well, something's got to fill that place. Nothing stays empty for long. I mean, Obama learned that over in Iraq, right? But, uh, and, and seriously, that's honestly a kind of a good example. When pulled the troops back, ISIS came in and they filled up the void. Well, that's way worse than what it was. So, and, and that's what the church is doing, right? Well, we don't want to take a stand on that because we're afraid of that being divisive. What do you think the Bible is? Like, that, it is divisive, man. I mean, straight up, splitting the world from the, the you know, the, the word of God splits the world from the Christian. It just does, but it teaches us to learn. Like the Bible is a sword, right? And it pierces. It, it's truth. Well, the sword cuts, man. It hurts. It sucks. Like some of that stuff that you read through, you're just like, whew, that's, that's rough. But if a pastor doesn't preach on that, then the congregation isn't going to know how to respond when those issues come up in their life. And, and, and on the flip side of that too, and sorry, I'm talking a lot. So I apologize. You're good. Hey, that, 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 that's, the, that's the point of the show is, is I get my guests to talk. <laughs> it's, it's, it's weird. Cause I, I don't even talk this much on my own show. I got, you know, a bunch of guys, but, uh, um, I, I was kind of the, the daily wire came out with a show called, um, run, hide, fight. And it is not for children at all. And it's gory and it's horrible. Right. And a lot of, and it's, it's based on a school shooting. So it's rough. Like it's, it's powerful, but it's extremely rough. Well, people that I was hearing were like, well, why would you watch something like that? Why would you watch something so horrible? Well, I think we as Christians, we don't, we want to be stuck inside our safe bubbles. We don't want to think that the world is bad. We want to think that everybody is genuinely good. And that's just not the case. People are evil from the beginning. We were, the Bible says that we were born into a sinful nature. That's just the way we are. We have to learn to be good. We have to strive to be good. It's hard. And when we come up against these hard places in our lives, if we don't experience something that was hard before it, you know, maybe, maybe a little easier and then we work our ways in. We, we're supposed to, I would say that as for myself, what I've kind of come to the conclusion on is I try to expose myself to as much evil as I can without losing myself. And what I mean by that is seeing what the world is like, like the left talking to the left about even the crazy left. But when I'm like, no, like that's, that's definitely wrong or that's horrible or that's not something I will stand by. That's when I back away and being able to expose myself to even the horrible things in life. Like, like I got to, you know, I've had friends in high school that have committed suicide. Like that's hard, right? And then, you know, you get family members that pass away. Well, that's hard. And it's not that you're getting used to it. 
you're learning how to face it and how to come at it head on. And that's what a lot of the stuff that I think Christians need to do. Christians need to realize that this, this world is hard. I mean, Satan is the prince of, on the, of this earth, right? So we need to learn his game so that we can go out there and we can win souls for God. Because our purpose on earth right now is to bring glory to God. And how are we going to do that if we don't know how the enemy acts? And that's why it's extremely imperative that we have the, a solid church, a solid group of friends, a solid solid group of Christians that you're able to rely on to be able to fall back in. Because the danger about coming up against this evil and coming up against all this horrible stuff is you you might you might die or you might fall down or you might get scraped up. And if you don't have anybody around you to pick yourself back up, that's detrimental, man. That that's tough on your life and not only your life, but your relationship with God. So, so walk that line very, very finely and, and make sure that you are safe and that you have a very good support group. Oh, absolutely. And I think, and I think in all reality too, like when, when you're talking about, uh, you know, understanding the enemy, you know, even the enemy tactics and, and what they're doing, it's vitally important. I think for the longest time, the church, like you're, like you're mentioning when it came, when it came to Obama with what happened in, in Iraq, mm-hmm. the church has allowed this void to be filled by the left. Like, like Christians yeah. all the time, they complain politics. It's just, it's just so divisive and mean and evil. They'd look at Hollywood, look, look at all the sex, drugs and, and, and murder and all this kind of stuff that's glorified in the movies. They talk about the yeah. music and the disgusting things that are, that are sung about or rapped about. But the reality is, is that the church has fled all of those arenas. And yes. I think and I think that we, ha- we have to blame ourselves for that failure. We can't just sit there and blaming the lost world. The lost world does not have the Holy Spirit in their life. How do we act? Maybe we should there in their light into darkness with our morality because we actually have the truth found in God's word, as opposed to the left, which again, yep. has no morality. They have no, they have no foundation. What do you guys expect? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I love that analogy so much. Like I just get goosebumps, man, when you said that. So um, when you talk about light in the dark, that that is the most beautiful analogy that has that I've ever experienced, man. And and seriously, so dark cannot overtake light, right? Like you can't you can't make the sun dark unless you blow up the sun. Well, the same thing, when you bring a flashlight into a dark room, it pierces and it, it floods the entire room. There's this book that I read by Frank Peretti and uh, the way that he worded this was just absolutely beautiful. Um, they were, it's, the book is called House and they were in this house and it was full of everybody's past and everybody's nightmares and, and everything that was horrible. Well, this one, yeah, man, I was in high school when I read it, so it's been a long time. But this little girl walks in and she's the, she, she opens herself and she shines the light. And what it says in this house represented darkness. But when she shined the light, it says the light came into the room and the darkness did not understand it. And it fled. And I thought that that was absolutely beautiful because you know a Christian when you see one, right? You know that there's something different about them. You know that they, they walk a little different. They have their life together, their, their families together. Like someone's just weird and, and they don't understand it. But when they come face to face with it, they're like, that's what it is. That's what's different about them. They have a set moral guide upon which to live that tells them how to get, not Joel Osteen ways, but how to get the best out of their life. And what's best in your life is not found in, 
in material things. It's not found in, um, I'm going to quote Jordan Peterson again. It's, it's found in what matters. And by matter, he's not talking about physical objects as matter, but by what matters, what matters in your life. Is that your family, your kids, your church, your communities, your way of life? And all of that is found within finding responsibility. Well, how, how do you find responsibility? Well, responsibility is always found in the place where opportunity is. Like, like opportunity is always found where responsibility is lacking. So look for those places. Be the change in those places. The Bible has, I mean, guys, it's a big book. Like there's lots of stuff in here, guys. And, and mine doesn't even have pictures and I can get through it, but it, it's the perfect guidebook on how to live your life. That, that's, that's what's, that's what makes you different. That's what makes you the light. That's what makes so the dark cannot understand you. And when I say experience as much evil as possible, I'm not saying like join a cult. Like that's not cool. Like don't do that, but at least gain an understanding of where it is that they are coming from. Relay that back to your support group and figure out a plan of action. Just because, like I said, you don't want to get wrecked, but be the light. Make them not understand you and wonder why it is that you're different. Yeah. So, 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 so then, you know, moving forward, and, you know, again, I, I always like to close out my show with more practical kind of things, but yeah. like we're, we're, we're heading into kind of uncharted territory in our country. We're heading into potential persecution for Christians and conservatives. We're, we're heading into this idea of, extreme polarization yep. you know, where we have essentially a godless ideology that's going to be leading our country in the white house, uh, the Senate and the house. So how do we as Christians shine light into that? Darkness? Uh, you know, I think when you got it, nobody's really gone through this here in America, like what we're facing coming up, I think in the next few years. You're kind of breaking up. I believe the question was, how do we bring this into the government? How, how, how do we bring this into our society with how, with how, with how dark our societies become, including the government, including Hollywood, including everything moving forward? How do, how do we actually implement this? The holidays are a moment of togetherness and joy and a reminder of how tradition creates happy and fulfilled communities. Make this holiday season patriotic with a visit to National Harbor and its stunning new spirit park. Marvel at one of the largest American flags in the region and beautiful displays of American art. Make this holiday season the most meaningful of all at National Harbor. Learn more at nationalharbor.com dash spirit park. Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Happy Holidays from all of us at Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. So, yeah, sure. Why not? I mean, you guys are all great here, right? So there was, I'm not going to say which one or anything like that. There was a show I did. And at the end of the show, it's not that I compromised. It's that I didn't say anything. And um, we have guests on that we disagree with, and that's fine. And they, in fact, that's that's welcomed. That's what we want, right? And I walked away from that show really kind of feeling gross. And 
um, the buddy that I do the show with that lives here with me, he, uh, he kind of felt the same. We talked about it and everything like that. And that was great. Well, then a few weeks later, we had it on another person and this other person that we, we disagreed with. Well, this time we didn't back down and we stood our ground on what it was that we believed in. And we made no bones about it. I mean, the first act that was taken, I just remember going through my head. I was like, this dude's going to get up and just walk away. Like, it's going to be a weird, awkward live show. But we didn't. And then we ended up finding common ground. And we were able to be like, we were able to kind of build around it. We were we walked away still disagreeing. But we were able to understand each other and where it was that we were coming from this. So I would take that same principle and I would apply that to um, the world around you, to the people that you go out and that you see every day, the people that you work with, go to school with. I don't know how many uh, younger people watch the show or older people, but whoever it is that you're around, you're going to come up against people that you don't agree with and people that don't hold the same morals that you do. There's people that come that their authority comes from within themselves as individuals and not that of God. So what do you do about that? Right? Well, you, you make your point heard. And when you make your point heard, I'm not saying scream in their face that they're wrong. Have reasons for what it is. There's, there's this thing of giving too much truth. And a lot of people think that that's a weird analogy. So I'll just use it for like this, right? So this would be an example of too much truth. Abortion is bad. Yes, it's true, but it's too much. Why is abortion bad? Break down what it is to mean a life. What a life means. Why is life sovereign? Why is it that we hold life in such high regard? Why is murder bad? Why is it something that is, you know, morally looked down upon in scripture? Have reasons, small individual reasons to back up your base claim. Come up with truths and facts that support your claims to be able to go out into the darkness to say this. But again, don't be a jerk about it. Um, Federalist number one um, has this sentence in it that says foreign politics as in religion it is equally absurd to aim at making proselytes by fire and sword. Heresies in either can rarely be cured by persecution. So when you go out there and when you face these people that are against you, that stand up against you and, and throw you in the mud and kick you down and all that stuff again, just get back up and realize that you took your stand and you said what it is that you had to say, but you did so with love and with compassion. While reading through James Madison's stuff, um, buddy Rob on the show said that Hamilton had such a way of backhanding you in such a polite fashion that you didn't know you were getting backhanded across the face because it was come across so eloquently. Um, I thought that was funny. And then I thought about it and I was like, I think the more realistic version of this or, or thought of this or the thought that I had in any ways is that Alexander Hamilton cared deeply for the anti-federalist people. He cared deeply for his country and you can see his expressed love through the writings of, of his federalist papers that he participated in. And when you read and you see that love and the same thing goes for scripture, like look at James, man, when he talks, I mean, he doesn't hold back. Like he makes you feel like trash. But he does it because he loves you and he wants you to live a life where you can get the most out of walking with God through this life. So weird to be comparing Alexander Hamilton and, and James of Scripture together. But I believe that their passion for people is the same passion that we could emulate when we come against people that disagree with us. And that's how I think we become that light 
within this such darkness because look at how the left acts when it's um when it's someone they disagree with they silence them they kick them out they scream them they beat them shoot in some cases they kill them when we go out against people like this we can't be doing that stuff we got to come out with love and realize that some people are not worth talking to but our fight is in the middle ground no, absolutely. So, so Shu, if people want to, uh, you know, check out your show or, you know, either of your shows or, you know, follow you on social and all that kind of stuff, the best way for them to do that. So, um, the Schumann show is a work in progress. Um, that one is all scripture based. So I'm not releasing that. That one will not be on a, like a weekly basis. It's not going to be released like on a specific day all the time, all the time, all the time, because considering I'm handling scripture, I want to be correct. And I want to be right in my um, analysis of scripture. And I want to make sure that my study is done accurately because context, 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 as my pastor would say. Um, so I want to make sure that that's absolutely right. Um, you can find that at straight white shoe. And that's my Twitter uh, following. Um, it's at, and then S T R eight white shoe is spelled out because there's no numbers for white or shoe. Um, also you can find the federalist faction. That's my new show. We talk about everything from culture to politics to, um, kind of stuff like we just did today. Um, that show has an incredible, um, cast to it. Um, uh, my buddy Rob is a law student, so he has more of a, a legal mind to things. Um, he's very well read in the constitution and, everything like that. So he brings a very dynamic um, look to this. And then we call uh, Travis our, um, our dumb Jordan Peterson because he likes to get into the minds of people, but he is not nearly as smart as Jordan Peterson. Um, but he is, he is still, he's a wicked smart dude. He's traveled the world. He got airdropped down in South America and hitchhiked his way back up. He's been, he knows what humanity is like all the way up. He's just a great guy. And then I'm just the idiot that's on the show that says whatever I want that gets us into trouble. So and you can follow that at the Federalist Faction, and that's on the Freedom First Network. Or I always post their same stuff up on the Straight White Shoe page as well on Twitter. And check us out on Facebook. We got a Federalist Faction on Facebook as well. Definitely, I'll 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 post all the I'll post all the links in in the show notes for anybody that's listening on Apple Apple Podcasts or on YouTube or Rumble or whatever it might be. Uh, but yeah, Shoe, I I really appreciate you coming on. I always have a blast chatting with you. It, it's always a ton of fun. Yeah, it's, thanks for having me on. It's it's so great to be back, man. It's it's awesome. Yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll definitely do it again. And then also, everybody, just a reminder: mark your calendars coming up on Saturday, February sixth. We're going to be doing an online conference. The name will be announced soon, but the lineup is pretty epic. I know both both Shu and I will be a part of this, but then also too, uh, I did confirm we are going to have Pastor Ken Peters. We're also going to have Denise McAllister joining us as well. Bobby Lopez. It's going to be a great lineup. So make sure you guys uh, tune in. It's going to be an online conference on uh, the gatekeepers website. So uh, definitely stay tuned for the official announcement and then the ways that you guys can be, uh, be a part of that as well. Uh, but it just in the meantime, make sure you guys subscribe on rumble and Apple podcast for right now. That's the best way you guys can do that. But I really appreciate all of you guys support and uh, yeah, we shall catch you guys next time.
This holiday season, pay tribute to the people who fought for our freedom to celebrate. Featuring the largest American flag in the region, Spirit Park is now open at National Harbor, honoring active duty military and veterans. Take some time this holiday to remember, offer gratitude, and be inspired by the sacrifices of our service men and women who make our way of life possible. Plan your visit at nationalharbor.com slash spirit park. That's nationalharbor.com slash spirit park. 